What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, Mayor Brandon Johnson has released his first ever budget proposal. Former Alderman Ed Burke's corruption trial is less than a month away, and we've got some potential changes coming to Metro Fairs. Breaking it all down with me in the building today is WBEZ City Hall reporter Mariah Wolfel and Axios writer and CityCast OG Carrie Shepard. It's Friday, October 13th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago is talking about. Mariah, what, what did you dress as last year? I feel like your um, costume was extremely <laughs> elaborate. <laughs> I handmade a, like, corn costume for yep. myself. And then Nader, my boyfriend, was the little boy who loves corn. Corn, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember it being super topical at the moment. Yeah. It was very narcissistic of me to be like, I'll be corn and you could be the kid who's obsessed with corn. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Me neither. Morning, Mariah. Morning, Carrie. Good morning. Good morning. Technically, it's the afternoon when we're recording, but, you know, hopefully people listening to this bright and early in the morning to, to start their day off. Let's start with something a little bit spooky, and I'm not talking about this week's news. I'm talking about it's Friday the 13th, just the second Friday the 13th of the year so far. And so, you know, with Halloween right around the corner, I got to ask y'all, Mariah, are you into spooky season? Is this your vibe? Yeah, I love spooky season. I mean... Sometimes it's like a little bit too much for me because I'm like, the world is so spooky. I just kind of want like happy, good fall, autumn vibes. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, I am going to a Friday the 13th party and the dress code is evil. And so it's going to be very spooky. Do, do um, you have to wear a costume? You don't. I think it's like open ended, like whatever your interpretation of evil is, you can just... Uh, you could just wear that. My friend was like, I'm going to get a fedora and wear a fedora. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, but uh, yeah, I'm wearing a sweat. I'm wearing like this really cool, like quarter zip that I have that says creep on it in mm -hmm. like uh, glow in the dark letters. Uh, Carrie, what about you? Are you into spooky season, scary things? I love spooky season. I don't know about so much as scary, scary. I love getting the Halloween decorations out. I love seeing walking around the neighborhood and um, taking pictures of other people's uh, Halloween decorations. So, yeah, I haven't gone to a haunted house yet, but Axios, we put together some lists of like family fun, boozy Halloween, if you, you know, if you're into that. And Are, then is that two scary. different categories or family fun, That's boozy <laughs> Halloween is all one? You know what? That could be category. one. That could absolutely <laughs> be one. And I'm sure it is for many, but those are two different. And then uh, scary, scary with the um, some of those haunted houses are really scary and i don't to mariah's point i'm not looking to 
scare my face off. But um, I do love I do love Halloween and I love seeing all I love seeing all the little kids dressed up. It's super cute. I love candy. I'm not typically a Halloween person, <laughs> <Do> but <laughs> tomorrow I'm going out to Aurora because I'm going to see Little Shop of Horrors at the Paramount Theater. <gasps> yes, I want to go see it. Oh my God! Feed me, Seymour. Love it. I want to go. <laughs> Aurora has, according to their website, the number one rated haunted house. I think in the Midwest. They might have said the country or the world, but you know, people be gassing themselves up. I was gonna uh, say, but it's like the basement <laughs> horror uh, haunted house, and I'm gonna go. Uh, Carrie, you know this. I'm not a huge fan of things trying to scare me. I don't love anticipatory fear. So I do imagine if somebody get too close to me at this haunted house, I might have to. I might, I might have to go ahead and you know. <laughs> off me. You might have to hit him with a with a with a canelo or something. I'm gonna just we'll just put that out there. So you know, if, if you listen to CityCast and you work the at dead, the right, yes, this if you work at the basement okay. of the dead and you listen to CityCast, maybe just keep your hands to yourself between <laughs> seven thirty and eight forty five. Let's jump into the big stories that came out of this week in Chicago news. And the first one is Brandon Johnson gave his first budget address. It's arguably one of the biggest moments of his early tenure. Uh, Johnson, like every candidate in the history of politics, has made a bunch of campaign promises and set some lofty goals for his administration. And this budget is his first huge opportunity to, quote unquote, stand on business. So, Mariah, let's get into the details. What is in Johnson's $16.6 billion budget proposal? Well, there are some, you know, chipped away at campaign promises in his budget proposal. Um, you know, he's promising to open two mental health clinics. That's a huge win for grassroots organizers behind the Treatment Not Trauma proposal, which uh, pushes the city to reopen all shuttered mental health clinics shuttered under former Mayor Rahm Emanuel mm -hmm. and then use those as hubs for teams of for teams of responders that do not include police who could respond to mental health crises and then make those teams citywide. Um, and so he's committed to expanding that program and also reopening two of those mental health clinics. He is opening, reopening the Department of Environment, which we've, I'm sure, talked about on the show many times. You know, it was a huge promise of his predecessor, former Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She campaigned on that. It was like the first bullet point of her environmental platform, and she never got it done. And so he's going to spend, I think, $1.8 on this new Department of Environment. And yeah, that's a huge win, too. He's also not raising property taxes. And that was on the campaign trail, something that experts had said to me, like, was going to be very difficult for him not to do. Um, but he is making good on that promise, at least the small sliver of property tax increases that he can control because there are multiple taxing bodies, including CPS and Cook County. So, like, he's not raising property taxes. Doesn't mean residents won't see their property tax bill rise. In fact, exactly. you know, um, that's likely to happen. But, you know, as far as he can control, he is not uh, pushing a property tax increase to close this massive $538 uh, million budget gap. Uh, another one of his his key campaign goals was to raise the the number of uh, youth in our city who are employed. How much money is he committing to, to growing that? So he's going to spend $76 million on youth jobs with the goal of adding an additional 4,000 jobs next year. That would bring the city's one summer Chicago program to 28,000 positions in Got the it. summer of 2024. 28,000, it sounds like a lot. But it pales in comparison to the demand for summer jobs. More than 40,000 
youth have applied consistently for the past few years. And also 28,000 is still thousands below what the program was before the COVID-19 pandemic when it really shrunk in size. And so it's grown gradually over time. But, you know, Johnson on the campaign trail campaigned on doubling this program. And, you know, it was well known that he wasn't going to be able to do that in his first first summer in office. He took mm-hmm. office in May and the summer jobs program starts in June. But, um, you know, he's trying to gradually chip away at that. And he did see a 20% increase compared to last year. And so, yeah, that's another part of his, um, you know, he sees as his public safety aspect of this budget. From talking about huge campaign promises to huge earmarks in whatever budget we're talking about, pensions and police. Mariah, where does Johnson budget uh, push Chicago in terms of pension payments? But also he promised on the campaign trail not to decrease uh, the police budget by a penny. So, So what does their budget look like going forward? So he's like ostensibly keeping police spending flat. It is seeing a small increase, the department's overall budget. It's seeing around a 3% increase. But when you take into account um, inflation, I mean, it, it, you know, next year will be just about just keeping them on par with where they're at now. Now, that means he is not getting rid of the vacant positions that are budgeted for in the Chicago Police Department budget, which has been a huge issue with aldermen for years who say, you know, if we want to find spending, let's get rid of these vacant positions that the city struggles so hard to fill. It seems as though I don't know this for sure that he's shifting some of those vacant positions to be civilian positions. He says he's increasing 400 civilian positions in the police department. And that's been a huge issue, too, is sworn officers who are performing jobs that could be performed by civilians and therefore freeing them up to patrol streets. And so, um yeah, the police budget will be nearly $2 billion. It's by far the largest department budget in the city of Chicago. I mean, we talk about $16.6 billion and so much attention is put on the budget because we've said it before, it's a value statement in many cases. What what does the leader of the city, a leader of an agency value? Where's where that money going, especially with COVID-19 dollars drying up over mm-hmm. the next couple of years? Mariah, what do you foresee as the friction points between now and mid-November when they're hoping to wrap this up? The city doesn't have till December 31st, but you know they're hoping to get this done, but, you know, around that Thanksgiving time, what are the major friction points between now and the end? Well, you know, he he projected a $538 million budget gap just a month or two ago and, you know, has now been able to close it by saying there's been hundreds of millions in increased revenue projections next year. And so I think aldermen are going to have a lot of questions about that. Like, why have has the outlook improved so much? Yesterday, Johnson's budget or, you know, on budget day, Johnson's budget director said, yeah, we just we took a look and and knowing what we know next year with all the events that are going to be happening, we're really expecting higher revenues on amuse on our amusement tax and all of the tourism taxes that the city collects. The NASCAR announcement last week makes more sense now because I was like, why are they saying this right now? Now uh-huh. it makes sense. He's like, I need to forecast some uh-huh. increased revenue. Let me at least put this reminder on people's lap. That, you know, yeah. NASCAR's going to save the year. city. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as long as it's a sunny day, um, a sunny weekend, yeah, maybe we'll just be saved and everything will be taken care of by NASCAR. But um, so that will definitely be a friction point. I think the vacant police positions is always a, a friction point for aldermen who are just like, why are we budgeting for this every single year? Why can't we take this money and put it elsewhere? Um, and then I think he's going to get, 
yeah, he's going to get a lot of questions about reopening mental health clinics. You know, um, Lightfoot's uh, Chicago Department of Public Health leader, Dr. Allison Arwady, for the past four years has been continuously arguing that the mental health clinics were not an effective way of delivering mental health services. I think that's some of the testimony that we're going to see kind of carry out in the two-week long budget hearing that we'll have um, starting next week, you know, where they'll get to grill all of these department officials. I mean, let's be honest, though, also per mental health clinics and really so many factors of the budget is that, you know, the demand on them now that you have what, you know, uh, 18,000 more people who have come, new arrivals who have just come through these, you know, from terrible, tumultuous, traumatic experiences and that many of whom thousands are still don't have a more stable shelter and housing like the demand for mental health services is going to be even higher. Well, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Thank you, Carrie, that we didn't talk about, which is migrants in this budget. And I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. He's he's proposing that the city is going to spend one hundred fifty million dollars on migrants next year, which is kind of, you know, really hard to believe. That's a really low number. I know that's sounds, you know, to the average person who no, has, 100%. you know. I mean, a lot of that $538 million budget shortfall was due to increased financing to help arriving asylum seekers. Like you said, Carrie, nearly 18,000 people. And, you know, over the last year, we've talked a lot about the individuals who've arrived via bus, but during that same time, a lot of people who have also arrived uh, via planes as well, mm-hmm. which which was Carrie's top story today, um, from this group of Texas Catholic charities who, despite the city telling them we are at capacity, continue to give out these tickets. Uh, you know, Carrie, what, what do we can you catch us up on? this? Yeah, Catholic Charities is a national group. And actually, the head of the Catholic Catholic Charities, San Antonio, um, used to, according to the Sun-Times, used to actually run Catholic Charities here in Chicago. Uh, there's this great Sun-Times story uh, where Michael Lorius talked to several of the asylum seekers, 700 of whom, more than 700 of whom are still living at O'Hare. And as we've heard over and over, again in many of these shelters, which are not meant to be living quarters for people, right? These are field houses, park field houses in the airport, is that people are at police stations, like people are not, you know, they don't have they don't have good food to eat. There's not proper sanitary conditions like showers. So the question is this to Catholic Charities in Texas, and my colleague Monica Ang reported on this as well, is like, we're telling you we are at capacity. We cannot give these people the we cannot give them what they deserve and need when they get here. So please don't send them. But it goes back to this catch 22 of what you're hearing from Texas officials of like, we don't have room either. And you are a sanctuary city. Put your money where your mouth is. If you are going to call yourself a welcoming city and a sanctuary city, you have to be ready to welcome newly. You know, you have to be ready to welcome people who are seeking asylum and and migrants. So it's this I think the issue of migrants is going already. Brandon Johnson has been in office for what, six months, if that. I already think this is going to be the defining issue of his tenure. Which brings me back to you, Mariah. $150 million next year. It seems like that's that's uh, going to get blown out of the water as we, we move into to 2024. 
Yeah, it's really hopeful. And, you know, his response to a question about that was, well, we're going to ramp up pressure on the federal government and the state government, which the city is spending more than $300 million on migrants this year. And so 150, I mean, it, it is just like kind of beyond hopeful in my mind. But, um, you know, they're really trying to bank on increased funding from the state and federal government. And that would be big, huge news for Chicago. And if, if that if that comes through. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patients' smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. We are less than a month away from the official start of former Alderman Ed Burke's corruption trial. Ed Burke was a Chicago Alder for a record 54 years, uh, and now he could be yet another who faces jail time. Mariah, you were in court yesterday morning. What's the latest? Yesterday's hearing was a bit perfunctory. Um, you know, there have been just pages and pages, thousands of pages and filings in this case. It has taken a really, really long time to get to the point where we're, I can't believe when you say less than a month, it's like crazy um, mm -hmm. that it's finally happening. Obviously, the first count came down in January of 2019. And so we are nearly starting this trial four years, nearly four years after, you know, this all came out. Um, so I won't bore you with the details of yesterday's hearing. It's it's about how, you know, the government and the defense are trying to come to an agreement about which tapes and which transcripts will be admissible in court, which pieces of those transcripts will be admissible in court. And none of the none of them were read out loud. Um, there's another hearing later today where they'll kind of get into the nitty gritty details of those transcripts. And then on Monday, we really kind of taken into full gear with a pre-trial conference, which is basically like every unsorted issue the judge is going to try to, to take and and rule on, um, really setting us up for the trial that starts November 6th. That in my mind, I think um, it'll be at least a month um, of of trial coverage every day. And, I mean, we've heard so much over the last couple of years about wiretaps, what the feds have on tape. And if it's anything like what came out during the 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 comment cases to this point, they have a chance to be you know, to be bombshell tapes. I don't want to be speculative here. Um, can, can you remind us what exactly is Burke accused of? Because there are so many different corruption trials in Chicago and Illinois. People might have forgotten. Yeah, so he's going on trial with Peter Andrews, a longtime political aide of his, and Charles Quay, a local developer. And Burke is charged with one count of racketeering, two counts of bribery two counts of att attempted extortion, 
one count of conspiracy to commit extortion and eight counts of um, using interstate commerce uh, for illegal activity. And these are all charges related to schemes um, surrounding the development of the old post office. And then the Burger King near 41st Street and Pulaski, and then um, a Binnie's and the Field Museum, um, where Burke was trying to get uh, someone a job as the Field Museum was asking the Chicago Park District to increase its basic emission fees. And then the other schemes have to do with permitting and, yeah, development permits that those companies needed that Burke allegedly used his power in city council to try to influence that and get people to hire his private real estate tax firm. So it's going to be it's going to be so interesting because it's going to be just a trial about like the history of the Chicago political machine and the Chicago way and all these kind of like terms that people throw around without always necessarily knowing what exactly they mean. And it's just going to be so interesting to see them like argued in a legal format by, uh, you know, a really talented team of prosecutors and defense attorneys. Burke is kind of the I mean, this is a long time coming. You say we've known about this for, you know, however long, but this has been whispered about forever. And he is worst kept secret, worst kept secret. And this he's sort of the dying. I don't mean that literally, obviously, but he sort of like represents the, the the phasing out of the machine. Do do we have people who still adhere to machine style politics? Of course, Mariah covers them every day at city council and, and, and the way aldermanic prerogative is set up yep, exactly it, you know, i'm not gonna say it's sort of easy to be corrupt but you know it it isn't set up for you to uh to succeed always. it wasn't that long ago that you know former alderman dick mel i remember said on on tv you know wttw or something like quite you know quite brazenly but very honestly he said what's what's the problem with me helping get people get jobs. What's the problem? Like, isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, and it's sort of like, well, (laughs) the problem is you're wielding your influence in the wrong way. But I mean, it wasn't I mean, I remember this is not like 25 years ago. He said this This was like in the last, you know, within the last decade, he said this. Yeah. Like, I I think the question of like, what's a bribe versus what's just and a, a favor, politics, business as usual, a favor. And that's that's all going to be on trial. Brandon Johnson wasn't the only person to release a budget proposal. Metra also released their own proposal this week. Like all of our transit agencies, Metra is still dealing with ridership recovery and facing a forthcoming financial cliff once their pandemic money runs out. So, Carrie, what are some of the things in their budget plans? Yeah, probably not a ton of people following the the Metro budget when the city budget's coming out. It could be wrong. It could be wrong. I mean, <laughs> now they dropped it the same day. Yeah. Maybe that was a reason. They was like, man, don't be, yeah, just focus on the focus on the city one. We just put our eyes under here, put it in the file cabinet. You know, we talk about it later. Right. But if you're a suburban or even not suburban in the city uh, commuter, as you are, Jacoby, use Metro all the time within the city. Um, we for- at least once a week. Exactly. Then you do know how important the Metro is, but you also are worried about fare increases as, you know, prices for everything have gone up, that when a transit agency, the CTA, the Metra are facing budget gaps, that's sort of the first question is, are the fares going to go up? Because that's how you get revenue. They have no other way, really, of getting revenue other than getting aid from the federal government. Um, 
So something that Metro did propose that would affect people, and I don't think I need to detail why the Metro is struggling. Fewer people are going into work, into the office five days a week. Yeah, ridership is only 47 percent of pre-pandemic levels right, still. Right. And so the proposal is a fair structure that zones used to be that the farther out you were traveling. So, you know, there's there's lines that go all the way to Harvard, which probably means nothing to many people, but it wasn't that far from where I grew up. You know, this is pretty far, you know, and they the farther out you're traveling, the more you're going to pay. That makes sense. Right. Um, But instead of having 10 fare zones, they're now going to have four fare zones. uh, That is definitely helpful for me. Is it? Okay. I'm always on the Metro Electric line. And so if you're thinking of like a zone, right, Millennium Park is in like A, I live off 53rd Street, which is like B. But if I want to go out to Homewood, that's in like E. Right. Right? Southern, and so south the, the suburbs, fare, yeah. Exactly. The fare gets higher the further away you get from Millennium Park. But by simplifying that, it, it will make a – like I'm not sure how much money it will save because they say they are not going to change the fares that much um, and they shouldn't go up too much for anybody. But it will make it simpler to to use the app, to book a ride. It will be easier for you know conductors who are still on the Metro train, if you haven't seen a conductor on a train in, in forever. <laughs> um, and, and so it should just make the, the, the process more efficient. Uh, but they are going to be getting rid of some of their pandemic passes, like their, their reduced 10-day uh, fare. The current 10 ride pass eliminated Mm -hmm. for a five pack of day passes, but also it won't be a flat fee for a monthly pass that it's going to instead be it's instead going to be priced as um, the based on the zones that you're in. So if you're traveling farther out every day or however many days a week you're coming in, it could certainly exceed $100 a month. Metro isn't obviously the only transit agency facing issues. On Monday, we'll be talking about the CTA and digging into the numbers behind recent yeah. service reductions. Uh, if you want to learn more about what's going on with Metro, including how they plan to use $574 million uh, for construction improvements, as always, head to our show notes and make sure you subscribe to our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago. You can get that at our new website, chicago.citycast.fm. <laughs> Every episode of City Cash Chicago ends the exact same way with me begging you to come back tomorrow or next week to keep <laughs> listening so I can stay employed. Uh, but right before I do the begging, I do the singing. Some good news. Oh, we didn't woke up now. We didn't been 45 <laughs> minutes in. We should not. Uh, Mariah, I want to start with you. What is your good news for the City Cash listeners today? Man, I wish I had prepared some good news that has to do with like the city collectively and not me personally. No, if it's you personally, talk about we just you. Talked Come about, on. You do a lot for the rest of us with your reporting. <laughs> What's going on in your world? What you doing? Well, in my my birthday was July 24th and I had COVID and so I couldn't do like my classic family birthday dinner. So I'm doing it tonight. Yay! <laughs> Damn, gee, y'all family that hard to get together? It's October, folks. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I thought that was going somewhere else. I've seen them multiple, multiple times since then. But this is a birthday dinner that they have demanded to celebrate me, which is very sweet. And we're going to Starve Siam, which is the best freaking pad thai in the city. Come on. See? 
We got, got, a, got a restaurant suggestion in there, too. Come on. It's the perfect kind of some good news. Well, happy late-ass yes. birthday, Mariah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Also, I have to ask, because I didn't ask you earlier. Costume. You was you dressed up as corn last year. You got an elaborate <laughs> costume plan for this year? I don't. I need to think I need to think about it. I don't have one yet. Um, but, yeah, I, I take my costumes very seriously. And, um, and yeah, I'll report back. Hey, we're going to be talking to Mama Fresh on the podcast soon, too. And she has some great costume Ooh, suggestions. She said, just get an oversized suit from, from somebody in your family, get you a speaker, <laughs> you be the State Street preacher. You be on <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were going to say Lori Lightfoot. I, I know you thought I did it that and way And I thought purpose. you were going to say David Byrne from Talking Heads, which just goes to show our <laughs> age difference on here in these little boxes. I know you know who that is, Mariah. Carrie, <laughs> uh, kicking it over to you. Uh I've I've missed uh, you you singing some good news with me the last few months. So will you indulge me? What is your some, some good, good news? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. What's your good news for the people today? <laughs> um, I am. I think a great sign of fall in Chicago is always Open House Chicago, which is the Chicago Architecture Center's where they open all these various places, um, buildings, homes, green spaces sometimes, um, mm-hmm. and the. This is really, I have to say, there's obviously beautiful architecture downtown, but I have to say, people need to go and go into the neighborhoods. There are some incredible places. Bronzeville has the Forum, which which is this awesome old former um, sort of concert hall bar, everything. It's just like you feel like you walk in and you're transported to like the 20s and it's awesome. Um, There's some great places in Auburn Gresham and Garfield Park and South Shore. There's some really good ones. Um, So anyway, these are it's two days. It's free. It's Saturday and Sunday. Um, get the app for sure is a good way to navigate this because it uh, it gets really busy. So there's lines, but it's just a great celebration of architecture in our city and a reminder that architecture is, even though we are the birthplace of the skyscraper, it's not just sleek, fancy. It's um, everyday architecture that makes our beautiful our cities and our neighborhoods so beautiful. Seriously, the list is beautifully organized. Yeah. It's got the neighborhood or community area with the sites underneath. Yep. You'll see museums. You'll see churches. You'll see, I mean, St. Ignatius is on there. You'll see a school. Mm-hmm. So we will drop a link in the show notes uh, for 2023 Open House Chicago, brought to you by the Chicago Architecture Center. Uh, please get in there Saturday and Sunday uh, and check that out. I'm going to. Come on. Did you want to uh, know what I was going to be for Halloween? I didn't do what my costume is. It wasn't as easy a transition, but yeah. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie, what about you? You got a Halloween costume planned oh, out? Yeah, yeah, architecture. You're going to be a building? Really? <laughs> 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 uh, no, Matt and I are going to be Bruce Springsteen and Courtney Cox from um, the famous video where she hops on stage and dances with Bruce Springsteen. This is lost on all of these people born in the 90s. <laughs> no, we were just, we just listening. We were just listening with an open mind, you know? Yeah. Not in the law. Such just, an yeah. 80s reference. In a, but I, I like the skyscraper idea now. Uh, I don't have a costume, but if I did, it might be inspired by my some good news. I want to give a shout out to Freestyle Ceramics and Tufting in Bridgeport. 
So I went this week for my second session to work on this custom rug that I'm finishing. Uh, it's, it's my newest hobby, y'all. I love it. It is relaxing and calming. Uh, everybody who worked there was extremely helpful. You know, it was $100 for a nice, I want to say 18 by 18, maybe 25 by 24 by 24 rug. So it wasn't that bad. It was a three hour. I've already been there five hours. Like a weaving my, class? Is it? Wait. No, it's it's tufting. So it's like you get a, a yarn gun and you're just like making these cool custom rugs. And mine cool. is of cool. my, from my favorite uh, animated film of all time, a goofy movie, and I'm making a rug of Max dressed as Powerline. So if what? I had a perfect costume, I'd be Powerline. I uh, forgot you're such a goofy fan. <laughs> it, goofy movie is just hard. Not only is it one of the blackest movies Disney ever put out, <laughs> but I think the music stands up against almost every <laughs> other uh, Disney production. That that that's my strong opinion. And so, uh, if you want to see a picture of it, it's not finished yet. But again, subscribe to our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, and you can check it out at Chicago.CityCast.FM. Where uh, we're today, we're talking a little bit of something about every member of the team, so you can learn a little bit about our newsletter editor, Sydney Madden, what she's feeling right now in the city, what she's listening to. Uh, you can hear, or you can learn a little bit about lead producer Simone Alisea, uh, who has been on a Pumpkin spice sort of kick recently, cheesecakes, malorts, just pumpkin spice everything. Um, and then you could also learn a little bit about our newest audio producer, Michelle Navarro. You'll hear from her officially on the mic next week, uh, but you can also learn a little bit about our producer, who we're all very, very excited to have. Uh, we are also very excited to thank, once again, uh, WBEZ City Hall reporter Mariah Wolfel and Axios writer, and of course, CityCast OG original <laughs> member, Carrie Shepard. Thank y'all for making some time for CityCast today. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Before I let you go, I want to give a huge thank you to the people who make CityCast Chicago possible. You already heard the names of our core Chicago team, but we got to give a huge shout out to our other producers, including Lizzie Goldsmith, a.k.a. Al Moomin, Natalie Rivera, and Noah Snyderman. The music we all love listening to is from the one and only Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. As always, my last thank you is for you. I appreciate you listening to CityCast Chicago, reading Hey Chicago, bookmarking Chicago.CityCast.FM, and sharing us with your friends and family. We're going to be back here bright and early on Monday. Hopefully you'll join us. Peace. Um, unpopular opinion, just to balance out my Lori Lightfoot reference, is that I think Lori Lightfoot has some really nice suits. And she has this one that is a pinstripe checkered suit with chunky silver zippers. It's black. Is she used to wear? I feel like she would wear on like big days. Big days. She's like, big I ain't even going to let the people order. hear this. So I'm glad you did that for just us. It's not even going to make it to the listener.